Thank you for joining us today on the Hope Church LV podcast. We're excited that you came across this message. The sermon you're about to listen to is from our series, Who is God? If you're joining us for the first time, I want to be the first to say, welcome to Hope Church. Go ahead and open up the Hope Church LV app or visit hopechurchlv.com and click connect with us to fill out a short digital connection card. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Once again, thanks for joining us today. Enjoy the sermon. Amen, amen. Well, as we get started this weekend, I just want to let you know I found myself as I was driving here overwhelmed with thanksgiving for what I get to be a part of here at Hope Church, overwhelmed with this beautiful family of faith, this multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-generational family of faith that I get to be a part of, this beautiful facility. Come on, how many of you are thankful for this beautiful facility that we can worship together in? I mean, the seats that you're sitting on, come on, somebody. Comfortable seats that you get to sit on. Someone designed this. A, a team was practicing this week to lead us in worship. Someone was getting that choir prepared to lead us in worship, and we got to come here this weekend. For those of you joining us online, for those of you who are online, you should be thankful for the fact that you have an ability to participate in a weekend service from the comfort of your own home. How many of you would say, Hope Church family, we are blessed as a family of faith. We are blessed, we are blessed, we are blessed. And so I hope as we get started this weekend, there is an attitude of gratitude in our hearts for what we get to be a part of. I'm thankful for this opportunity to continue in our teaching series entitled, Who is God? What a question to ask. If you're brand new with us visiting for the first time and don't know what's quite going on, we are in a teaching series asking and answering the question, Who is God? Who is this God that we serve? Who is this God that we worship? Who is God? And we get this scripture, uh, the scripture that we're walking through to answer this question from the book of Exodus, Exodus 34, 6 through 7, Exodus 34, 6 through 7, to get you caught up to speed. This is an account of Moses, of let my people go fame, Moses having an interaction with almighty God, having a conversation with God. He says, God, show me who you are. And God answers him. And over the course of these last several weeks, we've been going through the various attributes of God. And tonight, and this weekend, we find ourselves in a new attribute. Let's take a look at what we're going to talk about tonight. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed. This was God's answer to Moses. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, Last week, we talked about abounding in steadfast love, keeping steadfast love for thousands. We talked about that last week. And tonight, we are talking about one word. Everyone, let's say it together. Faithfulness. Tonight, we are talking about the faithfulness of God. Now, to get this idea on the table, and, and for you to hopefully buy in 
to why talking about God's faithfulness is important. Because some of you, as you sit here tonight, maybe you've just got a lot of other things on your mind. You're not really into it. Your heart is disconnected. I'm going to do my best as we start off this uh, message to, to talk about why this matters and to talk about God's faithfulness. Before we talk about God's faithfulness, here's the question I want to ask and prayerfully answer as we study God's word tonight. How can we grow our faith in God? How can we grow our faith in God? How many of you would say, regardless if you've been walking with the Lord, following Jesus for 40, 50 years, or you're brand new, trying to understand the things of God, trying to understand the Bible, how many of you here gathered tonight would say, I'd like to have more faith in God, yes or yes? Amen, okay. Now, maybe you're not sold on, on having more faith in God, so let me help us out. I got three burdens, three things that break my heart around the topic of the faith that we have, which links to the faithfulness of God. Here's my first thought I want to put on the table. For more, far more often than we'd like to admit, we respond to life's difficult circumstances and maybe not just life's difficult circumstances, but life's opportunities, life's situations with fear and unbelief rather than faith. How many of you would say amen to that? Far more often than I want to admit when I see something happen on the news, when I hear about something that happens in my family, when things are tumultuous in a church environment, more than I'd like to admit, I respond with feelings of fear, feelings of unbelief, rather than I trust you, God, in this situation. I'm scared. I, I, man, I've been going to church all my life, but why is it that my knee-jerk reaction is fear rather than faith? How many of you would say, man, that frustrates me a little bit about myself? After all the Bible verses I know, as long as I've been going to church, some of the simplest things, they set me off and I respond in fear rather than faith. That's what breaks my heart. Here's another thing. It's just not that we respond in fear, but something happens when we constantly respond in fear and unbelief. I say it this way. This lack of faith it's crippling and paralyzing our joy in life. So when we respond in fear, unbelief, it stifles our joy, it paralyzes our joy, but more even important than that, bigger than that, it gets in the way of our witness in the world. I want you to just think for just a moment. Every single person here listening online, What's your level of joy? How joyful are you? We've got our students here with us this weekend for Epic Weekend. Let's give our students a big round of applause. <laughs> Young people, how joyful are you? Did you have joy with, with all the interactions that you had with your friends and in school and on social media this week? When, when all was said and done, as you sit here this weekend, how much joy do you have in your life? 
with all that we know about God, with all that, how much joy do we have? And how many of you would agree, oftentimes the level of our joy is directly connected to the degree to which we are living in fear and unbelief about whatever situation you might be going through. Man, I want the people of God, I want Hope Church as a family to be known for the joy that we have in Christ. But how many of you would agree you can't manufacture joy? And how many of you would agree it's tiring when you try to fake it? (laughs) Some of you have been faking it all week and you're tired. Going to work, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, Sally, life is great. Oh, I'm doing great. And inside you're like, I hate you, Sally. Come on, people of God, we don't want to fake it. We don't want to fake it. How Restore unto us the joy of our salvation. God, help us in this place. So here's where faithfulness and the faithfulness of God comes in. I say it this way. Far too often, followers of Jesus are faithless have less faith than we'd like to have because we lack understanding and belief in how faithful God actually is. See, if we understood how faithful and trustworthy God was, let me tell you, I think it would have a tremendous impact on how much faith we have in him, especially in difficult circumstances. Faithfulness of God is what we're talking about. Here's my roadmap. Here's my outline. How hopefully we're going to have some resolution to this desire to living a more faith-filled, faithful life. We're going to talk about the definition of faithfulness. When in the book of Exodus, the Lord says, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, what does that word in the original language, Hebrew, in which it was written, what does it actually mean? Gonna spend some time there. Then we're gonna talk about the implication. If this word means what it means, and if God has as much faithfulness as the text says it has, and not just the text says it has, but as much faithfulness as he says he has, what implication should that have on our life? And then finally, if, if it should have that Im- implication, what declaration then should we make in response? So I just gotta ask you, Before we get started, and and your answer doesn't have to be yes if it's not yes. Are you here to listen to just another message? Or do you want to declare something fresh and new before Almighty God as a result of something you learned this weekend? Amen or amen? amen? Because that's where we're going. I'm not leading you this weekend to come to a place of, Oh, that was great. You have notebooks full of stuff. What we need is a change of heart. We need to declare something new and fresh under the power of the Holy Spirit in light of what we learn to be true about God. Say amen. All right, so now, definition. Here we go. Oh, here's my thing. If you're ready, say I'm ready. No, that was weak, that was weak. Come on, and students, I need some help. If you are ready, say, I'm ready. ready. 
Okay, here we go. I'm going to give you, first of all, as we talk about a definition, I'm going to let you in on a big secret. It's, 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 it's my superpower as it relates to interpreting the scripture in the original language. I mean, part of my, part of my superpower is Pastor Tom McCormick. So first of all, we say a big thank you to Pastor Tom McCormick because he helps out an awful lot. But in addition to Pastor Tom McCormick, because see, you gotta know, I'm just a guy, okay? I'm just a regular guy who loves the Lord, who has a calling to preach the word of God, but the Bible is confusing to me, just it is to you. You just gotta know that. So there's a website. <laughs> Everyone goes, uh-oh. <laughs> what are you reading, pastor? Okay, blueletterbible.org. Ooh, ooh, we got some fans, okay. Blueletterbible.org. This is a website that, that you could use because, see, we're, I, I wanted to equip the saints, equip the saints to be able to study the word of God and read the word of God and understand the word of God on your own. And as you read the word of God, you gotta know it wasn't written in English. The Old Testament, the first part of the scriptures were written in the language of Hebrew and the Hebrew language. The second part primarily was written in Greek. And so, Sometimes words don't translate in English best. And we have great English translations, but man, there's some depth in knowing the original languages. So blueletterbible.org, at any point you could put a scripture, whatever you're reading, in the search bar and the words in the original language will come up on the screen and will help you to understand what it means. So when it comes to Psalm 34, 6 and 7, over the past couple of weeks, We've been looking at keeping, uh, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness is what we're talking about tonight. Abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And what you need to know, that whole English phrase, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, how many words is that? Abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Six English words. In the Hebrew language, it's only three words. Everyone say three words. So here are the three words, I'll put them on the screen. This is a screenshot of what you'll find, blueletterbible.org. Rav, I talk about, so abounding is the word rav. In, in steadfast love, hesed, faithfulness, and truth, emet. Everyone say emet. This word faithfulness is the Hebrew word emet, emet. And it's so cool, you could click this and then it says it and then you know what it sounds like in Hebrew, it's awesome. So those are the words. Now, if you double clicked on H571, this is the, in the Strong's Concord, this is for the geeks in the room. You got, hopefully there's a couple geeks in the room, okay. You click on that and this is, this is what the word means and this is how it's used in the scriptures. Let's put on the next slide. This word emet throughout the scriptures. In the Old Testament, when it's used all throughout the Old Testament, it means firmness, faithfulness, truth, sureness, reliability, stability, continuance, all these different ways it's used. Blueletterbible.org. I just saved you a seminary education. Come on, somebody. No, nothing against seminary. It's great. Okay. Um, so here's what I'm going to do, though. I'm not just going to keep clicking through screens on Blue Letter Bibles thinking of that. Let me just take them through. 
What it also shows is other passages in the scripture where this word is used. So to help define, where are we at in this message? I'm getting lost. Okay, to help define what faithfulness is, we're gonna look at two passages where this word is used elsewhere in the Old Testament. The first one here is in the book of Exodus. This is right before Moses has this encounter with God where God shows him who he is. And Moses is overworked. He's overworked and so his father-in-law comes and he gives him some wisdom. Jethro gives him some wisdom on how to best lead the nation of Israel. And he says, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are men of emet, who are trustworthy, is another definition of this word faithful. It, it also means trustworthy and hate a bribe and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. This is your scripture reference for the power of delegation. Come on, somebody. But who do you choose? Jethro is saying, choose men of emeth. Choose men of reliability, faithfulness, trustworthiness. If you're with me, say, I'm with you. Now, another passage where this word emeth is used is when David of David and Goliath fame is about to die. And he's having some final words to his son Solomon. The wisest man who would ever live would go on to read the book, uh, to write the, much of the book of Proverbs. These are David's closing words to Solomon. And in these closing words, he uses the word emeth as well. When David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon his son saying, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. What's the way of all the earth? Dying, <laughs> death. Be strong and show yourself a man, he says, and keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commands, his rules and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do wherever you turn. Keep his statutes, all that, that the Lord may establish his word. Now, Keep his statutes, do all those things that I just said so the Lord can do something through you. Establish his word that he spoke to me, saying, if your sons play close, pay close attention to their way, to walk before me in emeth, in faithfulness, in trustworthiness with all of their heart and with all of their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. God told David, if you raise up your sons to have emeth, faithfulness, trustworthiness, reliability, if you raise them up in this way, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. We're talking about reliability, stability, trustworthiness. Now, the problem, like we've talked about all throughout this series, is when we think about faithfulness, we only have human faithfulness to compare it to. And God is not like us. So here's what I wanna do next. I wanna show you a, a hierarchy of the types of faithfulness that we're familiar with and juxtapose it and put it right alongside God's faithfulness so we can see 
how his faithfulness is so much better than our faithfulness. And before I even show you this hierarchy, it's kind of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs with our greatest needs being at the bottom. Before I show you that, um, how many of you are just thankful right off the bat that God's faithfulness is not like our faithfulness? That God's faithfulness is stronger than our faithfulness. So here we go. And in many ways, this is like, kind of my faithfulness on display. Here we go. First, you have this idea of a faithful fan. A faithful fan of sports. Uh, coming from the Bay Area, big 49er fan. Our fan base is actually called the Niner Faithful. But let me just tell you, when it comes to my faithfulness to cheering for the 49ers, if they lose two or three games in a row, I'm out. <laughs> like, I'm not a faithful fan, a very faithful fan at all. I love the San Francisco Giants, but as they've done horribly over the last couple years, I have not watched them. But this year, as they played awesome, I was a faithful fan again. Come on, somebody. How many of you are thankful that God's faithfulness towards us isn't akin to our faithfulness towards our sports teams? To the, to the dearest fanatic in the room, you are not as faithful to your sports team as God is to us. Faithful fan, all right. Uh, faithful church attender. <laughs> I would say I'm a lot more of a faithful church attender than I am a faithful fan. I've been doing this church Jesus thing for all of my life. I was faithfully attending church when I didn't have a choice to attend church. All the kids growing up in church say amen. <laughs> Come on. Sunday, Sunday night, weekends, weekdays. I mean, it was just, but let me tell you, as I grew up, <laughs> I love the Lord. But when I'm on vacation, <laughs> I'm not looking for a church on Sunday. <laughs> oh, you're judging me. I know. How many of you are thankful that God's faithfulness towards us isn't like my faithfulness to attend church when I'm out of town on vacation? Here's another honest confession. Man, if I wasn't a pastor, ooh, I'd be so like, I'd be like some of you. <laughs> Coming once a month saying, yeah, I go to Hope. Stop it once a month. Get out of here. God made me a pastor. You, you're, God, this is, I might get fired after this. I think God called me to be a pastor because I'd be a horrible Christian if I wasn't a pastor. God's calling is requiring me to be someone who I wouldn't be otherwise. So, so yeah, faithful church attender, not so much. Okay, faithful pastor. Now you're like, come on, Ed, faithful pastor, aren't you that? Aren't you? Yeah, like to the best of my ability. But sometimes I say things and I don't follow through. And, and to my church back home that I started and gave my blood, sweat, and tears to, how faithful was I? Not there right now. <laughs> Got a job offer, and I was like, peace out, guys. You know. 
How many of you are thankful that God's faithfulness is stronger than my faithfulness to the movement church in Oakland, California, in any movement church family? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Man, I mean, I'm, I'm really, I'm going to be a faithful pastor to you guys. I will. I, and if someone else offers me a job, I, I'm not. I, I think, I hope. All right. All right, here we go. Now, okay, this is going to, okay, faithful husband. Okay, just, just, just let, me, let me finish. Don't just, just come on. Hold on. Hold on, let me, let me talk it out first. <laughs> Faithful husband, okay, man, I praise God by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. In 17 years of marriage, we, we made vows and I have not stepped outside the bounds of our marriage. Praise God for that. No, 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 no round of applause needed. Man, that's standard. No round of applause for faithfulness. Come on. Oh my gosh, how noble. Stop it. That's standard. Faithfulness to my wife is probably the thing I've been most faithful in. But, 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 the scriptures say on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, if you even look upon another woman and have lust in your heart, you have already committed adultery. And I stand here before you, not in any proud way, actually very brokenhearted that I have looked upon women with lustful thoughts. I have looked at things on the internet that I have no business looking at. And I have undermined the faithfulness in my marriage because of those sins. And so have I been a faithful husband? Yes, to the degree that I've been able to be a faithful husband, but not to God's standard of faithfulness. How many of you are thankful that God's faithfulness towards us is stronger? It's stronger. Whatever you say right now, I'm faithful to that. What is it for you? I'm, fa I'm faithful to my job. I'm faithful to my kids. I'm faithful to Hope Church. Whatever you would think in your heart right now, you are most faithful to. I got news for you. God is more faithful to you than that. So God's perfect faithfulness, God's perfect faithfulness, so much better than our versions. Now, I liken our versions to this box. My faithfulness is about as sturdy as that box. Our faithfulness is about as sturdy as this box, or the things we place our faith in are only as sturdy as this box. What is it, church family, that you place your faith in? What do you place your faith in? Your money, your skills, your ability to talk yourself out of a situation, your resources, your relationships. What is it that you trust in? Because all I know through life experience, when I have trusted in my way, my timing, my ideas, my wisdom, my knowledge, it is about as strong as that. 
not very strong. <laughs> not very strong at all. Whatever that other thing, it buckles under the weight of what I need it to be for me. My money can't be trustworthy of everything that I need my money to be. My family, my relationships, the people I look up to, they're gonna let me down. They all buckle under the weight. But how many of you are thankful? Christ alone, cornerstone. This, this is what I'm talking about when you talk about the emet of God. You're talking about a stability, a reliability, a uh, 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 that ain't going nowhere. Uh, that man right there could push it, but, but I couldn't push it. <laughs> Come on. You need some God faithfulness in your life, church family. You need a rock with all this fake news, with all these people turning you down and stabbing your back, with friends not following through, doing the things they said they would do. How many of you would say, I want a rock for my life to depend upon? This is what we're talking about. The psalmist put it this way. One more verse where this word emeth is used. For you are my rock, come on, and my fortress. And for your namesake, you lead me and guide me. You take out of the net, they have hidden from me. You take me out of the net. For you are my refuge into your hand. Look at David. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, God of Emeth. Trustworthiness faithfulness. How strong is the reliability and faithfulness of God? So strong that David said, I'll commit my spirit into your hands. You know who else used those words? The very last words Jesus utters on the cross. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. Who was he committing his spirit into the hands of? Almighty God, a God full of Emeth. A.W. Tozer, he's quoted around here often. In his chapter, in the attributes of God, on God's faithfulness, he says, that is the fact before us. God is faithful. He will remain faithful because he cannot change. He is perfectly faithful because God is never partly anything. What a line. God is never partly anything. God is perfectly all that he is and never partly what he is. You can be sure that God will always be faithful. Let's get to our definition. A.W. Tozer, so eloquent. I'm a simple guy. God's faithfulness definition, reliably true through and through. When it comes to the faithfulness of God, what are we talking about? We're talking about the God of the universe, reliably true through and through. If you search every part of who God is, all you're gonna find, faithfulness. What a God. Let's keep it moving. What is the implication then? Great, you have the theological knowledge that God is reliable, stable, through and through. What impact should that have on our lives? What implication? Reliably true, through and through. Okay, here it is. Absolute trust is a must. 
Wouldn't that be the primary implication of the knowledge that God is eternally trustworthy and faithful? Shouldn't that be the, the implication, trust? How come none of you are saying yes to me right now? <laughs> Wouldn't it be foolish to know that God is this reliable, but keep trusting in the cardboard boxes of this life? Someone say that would be foolish. That'd be foolish. So this is why the writer of Proverbs says it this way, trust in the Lord, all your heart, all your soul, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. All in the Hebrew, that means all, just so you know, you could blue letter Bible, all. All your heart, what does that mean? That means all, that's not, that's not the physical word heart. That is all of your spirit, all of who you are. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All of it. See, my full weight. See, some of us, we're living like this. When it comes to trusting in God with your family, you're living like this. Trusting in God with your finances, you're living like this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and he will make your path straight. Here's, I just say it this way. To know how trustworthy God is and not trust him is like having $1 billion in the bank and not spending it. Ludicrous. <laughs> to have a billy in the bank and not spend any of it. Someone say silly. This is what we have in God, a trustworthiness akin to a billion trillion dollars, yet we're trusting in the pennies of this world. What is our problem? Absolute trust is a must. Someone say, amen, are you feeling that? We gotta trust him then. We gotta trust him then. Where are you not trusting in God? So we're landing the plane. That was point two really quick. We are landing the plane, but just in case you're forgetting stuff, let me just remind you what we've said so far. The definition of God's faithfulness, reliably true through and through. Like a rock. What's the implication of that? Absolute trust. So now, I warned you this was coming. We didn't come so you could just say amen. High five one another. See you next week, brother. <laughs> See you at small group. <laughs> come on. <laughs> come on. So what's the declaration? If you're ready to make a fresh declaration to the Lord based on his character, of emeth, of faithfulness, say, I'm ready. Ooh, you're not very ready, but I'll continue. I don't got enough time. I, I don't have time to wait till you're ready. <laughs> Faithful God, as an act of worship unto you, with my whole heart, I trust you with my fill in the blank. This is where we're at, friends. God is faithful. You know this. You understand this. If you look over the course of your life, you can trace his faithfulness. 
to provide, his faithfulness to protect, his faithfulness to save. Students, I'm telling you, you are surrounded by a bunch of grown folks who wish they had trusted in God sooner. And you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity from a young age to say, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. And here's the promise, and I love I love how it's said here. Andrew Murray writes a book called Humility. I read it every year. You know why. God is ready to assume full responsibility for the life wholly yielded to him. God is ready and waiting to take full responsibility for the thing that you are taking full responsibility for. I don't know about you, but when it comes to choosing me being responsible for it and God being responsible for it, I'm gonna go with God. What is it, friend? What are you ready to declare God I want you to take responsibility for this. My future, the plans I have for my future, where I'm gonna live and how I'm gonna be used by you and and my calling and my passions, I give that to you. I'm not gonna try to make a way for myself in this world. God, you are the way maker, I'm gonna trust you. This financial situation that I'm in and so I keep going from one thing to another. I gotta make moves, I gotta get ourselves out of this. Yes, you've gotta be responsible, but is the posture of your heart saying, as I take responsibility, my heart is trusting God for ultimate responsibility for my financial situation. Relationships in the family. You're working so hard to clean them up on your own and do this and do that, and maybe God wants to say to you today, trust me, trust me. He has a history of trustworthiness and faithfulness. In your own life, in the life of the Israelite nation that he delivered from captivity, which was to be a type and a shadow of our lives, God has shown his faithfulness. But if you're still here and you're thinking to yourself, but how can I, how can I know? Great, that's what he said he was all about, but how could I know that it's true? Look at what Paul, the writer of Romans has to say, for I tell you that Christ became a servant He became a servant to the nation of Israel to show God's truthfulness, to show God's faithfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles, us, might glorify God for his mercy. Jesus became a man to be the living proof of God's faithfulness. See, if God said all that he said, did all that he did for the nation of Israel, but never sent Jesus, God would not be worthy of being trusted. 
Jesus is the fulfillment of all of God's promises. And so we look to him. How can I trust him? Because he gave me a savior in the name of Jesus. And if he gave me a savior, he's certainly gonna provide for me a salary. If he gave me a savior at one point in time, he sent Jesus as a, a savior. He's definitely gonna give me a sandwich. He's definitely gonna give me provision for my daily needs. See, if the higher provision in Jesus Christ has already been made for our sins, every other lower provision, it would be silly for God to provide the highest provision and not fulfill the lower provisions. In Jesus, what would your life be like? How much joy could be returned to your life if tonight, based on who God is. Last thing I wanna to read to you, we'll be done. I was offered the job here in about February. Had been going through a process with my church of, of processing, leaving them, moving on to something else. And the biggest thing that was on my heart, who's gonna lead this church going forward? Who's gonna lead this church going forward? There came a moment. Am I gonna trust in me or am I gonna trust in God? There came a moment at a prayer conference where the Lord was moving in my heart and I wrote these words in my journal, Heavenly Father, it feels silly to say it, but I must for my own well-being. This is just me. Regular dude living out my salvation with fear and trembling. Trembling. It feels silly to say it, but I must for my own well-being. Here it is. I trust you with your church. Every part of it. The leadership, the finances, the discipleship, the people, the preaching, the prayer culture. I trust you with it all. You will preserve what needs to be preserved. You will kill what needs to be killed. You will grow what needs to be grown. You will say what needs to be spoken. You will get your church in Oakland to where you want to take it. Today, I release fully the movement church to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. In that moment, I just said, okay, I'm trusting you. And tonight, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll make a similar declaration. Let's pray and prepare our hearts to respond. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, there's a joy of salvation that you want to return to us this weekend. But I believe, Lord, that joy is gonna return as we trust you in a fresh way with a specific thing. I once heard it said that Nothing is dynamic until it is specific. And so, Lord, that I, I believe there's a specific thing that you are calling your people to trust you with tonight. I ask in these next few moments, by the power of your spirit, we would all respond in faith. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to sing a song, Cornerstone. You're familiar with it. Christ alone, Cornerstone. Weak made strong in the Savior's love. Our pastors are going to be here. 
I see a couple things happening. I see people coming up to pastors and letting them know very directly, please pray for me because I need to trust God with. Some of you, you can't even trust, it's just, so come forward, we wanna pray with you to help pray that God would help you to trust him with a specific thing. Then there are others of you, you know what it is. And maybe as a couple, you know what it is. You guys have looked at each other at some point in the service, you know the area that in a fresh way, God, we trust you with this. If you're this faithful, I need to trust you. And you guys just need to come to the altar as a couple, as a family, some single folks in the room, you know what it is. I have to trust you with my future, the future of a, a relationship. And you just need to come and say, God, as a fresh declaration to you, I trust you with my singleness. Some of you students, I need to trust you in my relationships at school. I need to trust you in my relationships with my parents. Some of you students, I need to trust you, Lord, with my sin. I'm hiding in my sin, no one knows about my sin. I need to trust that God, if, if you, your word says, if you confess your sins, you're faithful to forgive. Some of you, you need to come and say, God, I trust you with my sin. And lastly, for those of you who have never had a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're like, what's going on here? But at the same time, you know, you know that box isn't doing it for you. You wanna rock. You need to trust God with your life for salvation. Come up to one of the pastors, let us know. We'll walk you through what it looks like to become a follower of Jesus Christ. But let's not stare this billion dollars of faithfulness of God in the face and not use it. Let's use it tonight by responding in faith. Amen?